You are Locked On Timberwolves, your daily Minnesota Timberwolves podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Wolves podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. My name is Ben Beacon. I'm the host of Locked On Wolves. I'm also the co-editor of Dunking With Wolves, the Timberwolves site on the fan-sided network. Happy Friday, everybody. Happy almost weekend. And the last show before training camp officially starts, we're kind of in the middle of, of individual workouts. There's been a bunch of media sessions this week for the players and team workouts begin on Sunday, this coming Sunday. And the first Timberwolves preseason game is next Saturday, eight days from now. The first NBA preseason game, I believe is a week from today, next Friday, the 11th. So uh, a lot to look forward to in the coming days. The Timberwolves still have an open roster spot. So we'll talk a little bit about that and uh, some of the, I guess, rumors that are kind of being bandied about, about how the Timberwolves might use that spot. And um, that'll that'll be a a topic early on in the show today. Also, D'Angelo Russell talked a little bit about playing with Ricky Rubio in his first media session on Thursday um, since the, uh, since I guess his first media session, since he's, since the pandemic, uh, pause the season back in March. So we'll talk a little bit about those quotes. And, and uh, you know, I, I'm excited to see Russell Rubio play together, as I've talked about quite a bit over the past two-ish weeks or so. Um, and then also uh, more about Aaron Gordon. Um, we've talked about him on and off since February when we knew the Timberwolves were chasing or, or at least considering a trade for Aaron Gordon prior to the Robert Covington, the four-team deal that brought Beasley and Juancho Hernan Gomez to Minnesota. But the Wolves... Inquired about Aaron Gordon again this offseason. Zach Lowe of ESPN mentioned it. And so I, I, I want to revisit that quickly. Now that the roster looks completely different, is a trade for a player like Aaron Gordon even possible? Um, I mean, the answer is yes, but it is a little bit trickier and less clean than it was when the Wolves still had, at one point, Robert Covington, and then when they had James Johnson's salary, which is also now gone. So I want to discuss that possibility. And then also do a, a quick, uh, not, a, not a full rankings, because I'm not going to sit here and, and rank um, 30 teams uniforms as you, you can't see those uniforms as I'm talking to you on a podcast, but I'll, I'll give my thoughts on the worst, uh, city uniform rankings now that they've all been released. The ones that are boring, the ones that are just not good. And then the ones that are the best. And uh, for the record, I think the Timberwolves are pretty squarely in the middle, maybe the top, eh, maybe a little bit, a little bit better than middle of the pack when it comes to this year's city uniform. So talk through that a little bit here at the end of the show on your Friday. All right. Uh, before we get into everything though, as always a quick reminder to please subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google, wherever you like to get your podcast. You can follow us on Twitter at locked on T wolves. That's at locked on T wolves. Don't forget the T. All right. Um, so let's talk about the final roster spot. The Timberwolves, of course, have they actually still have a, a two-way contract available as well and there's a couple of players in camp on training camp deals of course Rhonda Hollis Jefferson who's pretty unlikely to accept a two-way contract and and I think will make the team regardless um, there's some exhibit 10 guys as well um, Adi Murky from who's from the Twin Cities is on an exhibit 10 deal Tyler Cook is on a training camp deal not an exhibit 10 so the exhibit 10s are almost for sure going to end up in Iowa whereas the training camp deals have a shot at making the the actual roster. And and those players are Hollis Jefferson and Tyler Cook, formerly of the Nuggets and Cavs, and uh, from a few different G League teams last year as well, former Iowa Hawkeye. I think Tyler Cook at this point probably is the inside track on the other two-way deal unless something changes. And then Jordan McLaughlin's still out there. Surely he's not going to accept another two-way deal. Um, But the Wolves have one actual roster spot, a guaranteed roster spot available. And they're still having conversations with Jordan McLaughlin about this. Um, this has been reported in, in multiple places. Chris Hine at the Star Tribune tweeted out on Thursday afternoon. He said, 
Quote, sources said Timberwolves and Jordan McLaughlin are still working on a new deal, but one source said they remain apart on the number and years. Restricted free agency can be tough. Around that same time, Darren Wolfson of Score North and Channel 5 said that the Wolves and McLaughlin seem to still be a bit apart on a new deal. So he remains away from the team in training camp at Mayo Clinic Square. So um, both number and years. And surely McLaughlin's looking for something probably not unlike what uh, the Nas Reeds and Jalen Noel's of the world got last year, which was a multi-year deal that had a partial guarantee that the player was at least guaranteed some some cash in the second year of the deal. But the Wolves themselves are able to kind of, you know, like they've got some deadlines upcoming on those players. I think Jared Vanderbilt's in a similar camp. Obviously, that deal was signed initially with Denver. Um, but basically the wolves, I'm sure are looking for some flexibility. McLaughlin probably wants a guarantee beyond this year. Um, and it's understand. I mean, McLaughlin's actually the only player, I think there were 31 or 33 players league wide that were issued qualifying offers and restricted free agency. McLaughlin's the only one who is still officially a restricted free agent because the wolves have not rescinded the qualifying offer. He's not agreed to an offer sheet anywhere. And at this point, it's pretty unlikely there's another team that has the roster spot and cap space available to offer Jordan McLaughlin something that they haven't already. So J-Mac's going to have to make a decision. Does he come back to Minnesota for whatever they're offering him, or does he go somewhere else, you know, a place where he's not going to be as familiar and, and probably doesn't know the system or any of those intangibles, or not intangibles, but I guess other factors. Or does he... Um, I guess, bite the bullet and come back to Minnesota for whatever it is. We don't know what the Timberwolves are offering and um, it's understandable from both parties. And it's, it's just kind of a, a, a tough situation and the Timberwolves. It makes sense that they're not going to budge off of whatever they're offering. They don't have any cap space. If they pay him anything more than the minimum effectively, I think this is true. Anything more than the minimum, then they're going to be in the luxury tax and they're not trying to do that. Uh, not, you know, no offense to, to McLaughlin, but not for Jordan McLaughlin for the last roster spot. And McLaughlin doesn't want to just agree to anything because the Timberwolves could cut him loose at any point and it's going to be even harder to find a job, most likely, as somebody with as limited NBA experience as he has mid-season as it is now. So it's understandable from both sides why there's kind of this stalemate and a little bit of a staring contest. And and we've talked a lot about McLaughlin on this podcast. I think he's a legit backup point guard in the league. I think he could be one of the better backup point guards in the league. And the other thing is the role in Minnesota is kind of unique because they're they're going to play two point guards a significant chunk of the time. And I'm sure Ryan Saunders wants to have Russell or Rubio on the court at all times, but it's not necessarily going to be possible. You know, obviously foul trouble, say Russell picks up two fouls early in a game. The Wolves aren't going to play Rubio 42 minutes. So you need somebody else to pick up some of those minutes. And that would be the third point guard. There could be night, some nights where Jordan McLaughlin wouldn't get into the game at all. And there's others where he could play a pretty large role. Um, there's also the chance if he continues to shoot the ball well, like he did in that stint last season, there's a chance he could be this he could play with Rubio or play with more likely with Russell at times um, if he were to come back too. So I do think there's a role, but he could have a few DNPCDs with this team simply because of the depth, um, or I should say the quality of the of the two point guards that are on the roster. They're both starting caliber point guards, which makes that third role a little bit, um, I guess, narrower. And no doubt that's playing into McLaughlin's mind as he his, he weighs whatever options he has. I, I wouldn't be shocked if there's other teams. I guess I don't know exactly how many teams still have a roster spot available, but if there's other teams trying to get in on on uh, and on possibly bringing J Mac in. All right. Um, next, what I want to do is talk about 
uh, Ricky Rubio and D'Angelo Russell and a couple of the comments. I mean, nothing really groundbreaking, but what Russell said about playing with Rubio and a couple stats that that are floating around out there about some of the, the backcourt mates that Russell's played with in the past and what this pairing could look like between Russell and Rubio, depending on you know how many how many minutes they actually play together. First, though, let's talk about our outstanding friends at Built Go. Built Go is the best workout gel on the market, but it's not simply a workout gel. It also can help pack a punch when it comes to energy. It's really just like a five-hour energy, but without the same crash feeling that you get with with five-hour energies. Plus, it's natural, so it's better for your body. It's just like drinking a monster, but with a third of the caffeine and better results. Whether it's a mental or physical wall that you're facing, you can break through it with Go every single day. It's easy to take in a one and a half ounce package. You can throw it in your backpack like I do for a long day. If you've got, I don't know, everybody's busy, right? So you've got kids to drop off places. You've got your work from home schedule. You've got your workouts. You've got Timberwolves basketball to watch here soon. So every day is a long day. You need Built Go to help you power through and break through those walls. There's three delicious flavors, peanut butter, honey, chocolate, coconut, and chocolate mint. It combines energy gel with collagen protein. And it's also loaded with good stuff like beta alanine, vitamin B3, honey, and a kick of caffeine. Visit BuiltGo.com, use promo code LOCKED, you'll get 20% off your next order. That's promo code LOCKED for 20% off at BuiltGo.com. Let's go. All right, let's talk a little bit about the uh, D'Angelo Russell-Ricky Rubio pairing um, actually, before we do that, though, let's talk about next week and what's coming up on the show. Preseason starts next week. So we're going to start really diving into the rotation. Um, obviously, any news that comes up in training camp, which starts on Sunday. Also, the schedule release. I, sh- I should say, uh, recording this Friday morning, the schedule is supposed to come out today on Friday the 4th. And we should um, know the Wolves' full schedule by next week. So we'll definitely talk about that on Monday's show. Any highlights that you haven't already perused over the weekend? I'll, I guess I'll give my thoughts after everybody that's listening to this show has already had a couple days. To, uh, to talk through it. But we'll talk about schedule early next week. We'll talk about, uh, of course, training camp and preseason upcoming next Saturday. So be sure to tune back in. Of course, this show is daily Monday through Friday. So we'll be back on Monday. But today, though, let's talk about Rubio and Russell. So D'Angelo Russell was asked in his media availability on Thursday about playing with Ricky Rubio. And uh, he said he liked it. He said that he likes adding a second ball handler, especially at the end of games. Uh, he also called Ricky Rubio Rick a couple of times. So get excited if that continues, because that's going to be a lot of fun. If that if that's uh, if that's what Ricky Rubio's or at least what his uh, backcourt mate calls him. Um, and uh, also. There was a bit of a conversation with with Russell about some of the other guards, or actually he volunteered the information that he's never played with a guard like Ricky Rubio, uh, meaning like a, a really ball-dominant point guard who's more of a distributor versus a scorer. And I had talked about back uh, when Rubio was first acquired on draft night, so I guess roughly two weeks ago, a little over two weeks ago now, I had talked about Spencer Dinwiddie being one of the best matchups, or excuse me, best pairings with Russell in the backcourt in Delo's career and, and the amount of success. I mean, that was... Russell's all-star year was the 42-win season for the Nets where they made the playoffs in 2018-19, in and Dinwiddie was his primary backcourt uh, pairing. And there's some similarities between Dinwiddie, Dinwiddie and Rubio. Dinwiddie's better inside the arc in terms of scoring. Rubio's better outside the arc. Um, Dinwiddie has a little bit more of a scoring mindset than Rubio, but there's some similarities to their games. They're kind of in that same tier. I would put Rubio a little bit ahead of Dinwiddie in terms of, you know, in a vacuum, what they bring to the court. I would say Dinwiddie, or I would say Rubio is a little bit better, but it's close. They're kind of in that like solid starting point guard to outstanding backup point guard to, you know, you compare them with a scoring guard like a D'Lo type tier. And um, so I think that's the closest comp in terms of a guard that, that uh, 
that Russell shared the backcourt with in his career. And that was my initial kind of draft night or day after draft night take on, on the Rubio Russell pairing. Um, but Dane Moore, of course, of Canis Hoopis, and also he's got his uh, new Timberwolves podcast, the Dane Moore NBA podcast going. So be sure to check that out and support Dane. Um, so credit to him. These are his numbers that he pulled and, uh, he, he went through and, and pulled all the bigs and the guards that, that D'Angelo Russell has played with primarily over the course of his career. So I'm going to focus on the guards today, but he pulled the numbers with Dinwiddie, the net rating of the guards that he's played with, that Russell's played with, including Dinwiddie. And then Karis Levert was the other one that season. But there's only one positive pairing on the list, which says something about Russell, especially defensively over the course of his career. We know he's been a lot better the last couple of seasons than his first couple of seasons in the league. But the only positive net rating attached to a a backcourt mate of Russell's on this list is, ironically, Jarrett Culver last year, which is a very tiny sample size of 117 minutes. In 753 minutes with Spencer Dinwiddie in the 18-19 season, the uh, net rating of Dinwiddie was minus 3.6. Karis LeVert was minus 1.3. And those were two of the better teammates um, that that Russell shared a backcourt with. I mean, you're talking about uh, defensive wizards like Nick Young and Jordan Clarkson back with the Lakers in 16-17. The swan song of Kobe Bryant back in 15-16, also Jordan Clarkson that year. Uh, just some Damian Lee and Jordan Poole last year in, in Golden State. Not exactly a murderer's row of, of backcourt mates. And playing with a guard, and none of those guys are... are our primary playmakers either. I mean, Dinwiddie is by trade a point guard, uh, but he's not, he's not Ricky Rubio when it comes to playmaking. Um, you can say the same thing about everyone else on that list. I mean, Alan Crabb and Karis LeVert are not primary playmakers. Alan Crabb's a three and D guy. Karis LeVert is uh, you know, maybe a secondary playmaker at best, but he's not an ideal fit in the backcourt next to D'Angelo Russell. Um, so I, I mean, there's there's something to the idea of pl- of pairing Rubio with a, a a secondary playmaker and scorer like Russell, and and I I mean Russell's a primary playmaker, but with Rubio, you know, who knows how often he'll be the one initiating the offense, and having these guys splitting possessions is is a really attractive thing to consider. Um, and I know I've talked about it a lot already, but I thought it was interesting that Russell was so excited about it. He also talked a lot about about playing with Towns and how they haven't actually played together much at all, but he watched a lot of video of Towns over the offseason to find um, you know ways he can help make Carl Anthony Towns better, which is, is interesting, shows obviously good preparation and, and good understanding of how important um, that relationship, the Russell and Towns on-court chemistry and their ability to make each other better is going to be for this season. Um, so... Notable. I think some of that stuff's available on the Timberwolves website if you want to go watch the uh, the interviews. But um, some good quotes out of D'Lo here ahead of training camp. All right. Um, next, what I want to do is talk a little bit about Aaron Gordon. So I guess I'll kind of tee this up and then and then finish by uh, by talking through any potential trades. As we know, Aaron Gordon, somebody the Wolves have identified as a potential trade target, dating back to almost twelve months ago. There were plenty of rumors just prior to the trade deadline, actually before the Wiggins, D'Angelo Russell trade, before the Robert Covington trade, there were some rumors about Aaron Gordon. At the time, I started out by not being on board with it. Um, I've warmed up to the idea, but now I'm a little bit dubious just based on the structure of the Wolves roster and the contracts they have available. I didn't want to trade Covington in a deal for Gordon because I didn't think that was good value, and I stand by that. Flipping James Johnson con- James Johnson's contract with, say, a, a Jarrett Culver and a pick, you know, if that had been done a few weeks ago, maybe prior to the draft or on draft night, that's a little bit more palatable, and I could have gotten behind that um, as a potential trade. Now with Ricky Rubio in the fold, and you know, Rubio's contract's not expiring, and clearly the Wolves, I mean, they can't trade him for several weeks based on the on the rules of not being able to flip recently acquired players in season, um, but. 
I think I think there's something to be said for Gordon in the Wolves front court. I just don't know how well, I know how they could do it. I don't know that there's a there's a trade that you could construct that all parties would be happy with. So I want to talk through a couple of possibilities, basically what the Timberwolves would have to do to trade for a guy like Aaron Gordon. I'll read the quote from from Zach Lowe from his article um, about his thoughts on the Gordon fit in Minnesota, which is just kind of a quick note. And then we'll finish today's show by talking about my favorites and least favorite city edition jerseys league-wide. I've alluded to the uh, Lockdown NBA season preview before, but guess what? We have more information. The wait is almost over. The 2020-2021 NBA season is almost here. And the Locked On NBA podcast will get you ready with a special week of shows beginning December 14th. Get previews of every single team, division by division, from all 30 of our Locked On local experts, including myself, yours truly, plus waiver wire additions from Locked On Fantasy Basketball rookies to watch from Chad Ford and predictions on each division from rejecting the screen. Subscribe to Locked On NBA wherever you get podcasts. All right, let's talk about Aaron Gordon. So, um, First of all, let me preface this by saying I don't think there's any trade happening anytime soon that the Timberwolves are going to make for a player of Gordon's caliber. I think we're looking at trade deadline at earliest, probably off season. I don't know that the Wolves are going to do too much in season to overhaul the roster again. I know Rosas said recently, and I mentioned this on Thursday's show, that they're not done working, the roster's not done, all this stuff. You know, I think he'll probably maybe hopefully back off those comments a little in season when asked, because you obviously want to show some confidence in the guys you have. Um, and frankly, I think the roster depth and talent is in a pretty decent spot. Um, you know, it, you're banking on Jarrett Culver to make some improvements. You're banking on Towns and Russell to improve defensively and, and Hernan Gomez and Beasley to play up to their contracts. But in theory, this, this roster talent, the depth here is a lot better than it was 12 months ago, or especially 18 months ago. Um, at any rate, uh, so Gordon's do. 18 million, 18.1 million to be exact this year and 16.4 million next year. So the contract actually was front loaded and, and decreases in value, which does definitely make it more tradable. And so you're looking at two years and and what is that? If I could do the math quickly, 34 and a half million or so that he's due still over the next two years. And it's, it's attractive because you're not locking yourself in too much. He'll be 27. He'll still free, hit free agency and have the ability to sign a big contract. The concern is that is exact also that, that it'll he'll hit free agency when he's 27. And if you love the pairing, you're going to have to overpay Aaron Gordon to stay in Minnesota as what would, I'm sure he would be the third or fourth fiddle in Minnesota. You're talking about pairing him with Towns, Russell, and likely Beasley or whoever doesn't get traded in a deal for Aaron Gordon. Um, so I, I think that's that's certainly something that plays into this is, is what are you giving up for what could be a two-year, it's not really a rental if it's two years, but two years, that's it of, of Aaron Gordon. So that has to be considered as well. Again, though, the positive is you're not taking on a five, you're not taking on Andrew Wiggins contract again, where you're kind of locked in. And if this doesn't work, it doesn't work. And you're, this is a sunk cost. Um, there's at least some flexibility there and also the ability to then flip him. I mean, if they get him in the off season and they don't like it by mid season, you could trade him to another team, whatever. There's different options. His contract is tradable, I guess, is the point here. But what would the Magic be looking for? What would the Timberwolves give up? What what is the um, incentive for the Magic to to make such a such a trade? Now the Magic are also in a really unique situation because Jonathan Isaac's out for the year with an ACL, and this is a team that was up and coming the last couple of seasons. But now, what what do you do? Are they treading water? Are they, um, you know, what what, are, what happens next? Um, and Zach Lowe at ESPN has an article on ESPN Plus, so it's an insider article. You have to have a subscription. All about Aaron Gordon. And, um, 
and basically just how Lowe likes him as a player and, uh, you know, what happens next with him? Will they actually trade him or will the, will the magic allow him to play the four instead of making him play the three with Isaac out? Of course, he's going to play, he's going to play more four this year. And he mentions several teams trying to trade for him. Lowe even says as many as 10 and maybe more teams called Orlando to express interest in Gordon, basically in this short window around the draft. Minnesota was one, and here's what Lowe says. He says, Minnesota was one, sources said, and Gordon would fit there in a supporting role alongside high-volume playmakers and one of the greatest shooting bigs ever in Carl Anthony Towns. He then goes on to talk about his fit in Portland, his fit in Brooklyn, and basically Orlando just chose not to trade him. Now, if the Wolves couldn't get him before, I'm sure they offered... I, I don't know for sure that they offered the first pick, but they probably offered 1733, Jarrett Culver and James Johnson's expiring deal. Some something like that. And the magic didn't bite. Something tells me they're not going to be enticed by Jarrett Culver and you know, a 20, whatever pick the wolves can trade 2023 pick. They of course don't have a 21 and they can't trade their 22 because the stepping rule. So you're looking at a 2023 pick. Um, you're looking at Jarrett Culver and another salary. Maybe it's Jake Lehman, something like that. You're not going to entice the Magic to do that. The only way you're going to get Aaron Gordon from the Magic at this point is maybe if they really like Ricky Rubio and the Wolves decide, hey, this isn't going to work at the trade deadline or maybe next summer when Rubio is an expiring deal, or if they're willing to include maybe Malik Beasley, that's a possibility, which I don't think is going to happen anytime soon, or maybe Anthony Edwards. Same thing. I I think it's pretty unlikely they'd just turn around and flip him for Aaron Gordon at the deadline, but it's not impossible. I also don't know that it would be the smartest decision to do that either, the the best use of assets, because again, as Lowe said, Gordon's playing in in Minnesota, he'd be playing a complementary role. He'd be, you know, he'd be the third or fourth offensive option, especially if you still have Beasley. Gordon's going to be playing like a, a you know, he's third in line as a playmaker behind Rubio and Russell. He's fourth in line as a scorer behind Russell Towns Beasley. Uh, you know, that's his role. He'd be a defender. He'd be kind of a backup playmaker and scorer. He'd, he, his volume would go way down. His usage would go way down in Minnesota. So is that something that, that Aaron Gordon would find attractive? Is that something that the Timberwolves, that the Magic would find, you know, are they going to trade uh, real assets to get Aaron Gordon to, to round out. Now, of course, that's what playoff teams look like is they have multiple options, guys who can score, guys who can play different roles. Is that a role Gordon's comfortable in? Is that a role he's willing to play? Is that a role that would work for him? I don't know. I think it's pretty unlikely, but it's notable that the Wolves are still trying, or at least were prior to, I would assume, prior to the Rubio trade on draft night, um, but but certainly something to, to keep on our radar. All right. Lastly, just kind of a, a fun note on the city edition uniforms. Um, I, I am. A, I mentioned this yesterday when I talked about the Wolves uniform specifically, but I am very much a, a stickler for, I can't like definitively rank these until I see them on the court because I think that makes all the difference and pictures don't do most of them justice. And, you know, you need to see them in action on TV, the contrast with the court that they're playing on all those things I think matter. Um, but that said, there are a couple articles out there that are trying to rank all of them. I'm not going to rank them. I just scrolled through and I picked my favorites, my least favorites, and the ones that I think are just boring and lazy because every year there's like four to eight of these that are just like, I mean, like I could I could have done this in Photoshop in five minutes and just, you know, said, put a logo on it and said, here we go. And like, it's just a plain design. So the worst ones are the Oklahoma City Thunder, hands down. Uh, I don't think it's even close. Um, those are just, uh, I, I don't know. It's unclear to me what the racing stripe kind of look is for and, and all that. Um, but I mean, I live in Oklahoma city, so I'll, 
I guess I'll report back if I see anybody wearing one, um, if anybody buys one, but I really don't think that that's, that's, I think that's pretty clearly the worst design out there. Um, the NYX is also not good. Um, just with the circle design city never sleeps around the, the number in the middle of the Jersey, there's no actual Knicks logo, just not good. Uh, Pelicans are also bad, like actively bad because it's just got the, uh, it doesn't even again have a Pelicans logo on it. The the colors I don't I don't love the Pelicans color scheme to begin with, but too much red and white, not enough gold um, in the right places. So just not for me. The boring ones, the Detroit Pistons always seem to have fairly boring, and I get that that their scheme is they're supposed to be kind of like blue collar, like just kind of here it is. But still, too boring. The Washington Wizards ones are boring. Dallas Mavericks even. I, I like the gold. It's kind of cool, but still boring. The Jazz basically just refined last year's, and, and I'm not a fan of those either. The best ones um, are the Phoenix Suns um, did a cool... Uh, let me pull it up real quick. But the Suns have the... Uh, let's see. Oh, they've got kind of the, the gradient um, purple, red, yellow, orange, along with what's basically kind of like a a very square boxy looking skyline, um, effect, which is really cool. Um, I like those, the blazers did a good job, the Hornets, and then also the Hawks with their MLK jerseys and the, the white and gold is a really clean look. Um, really good job on those two. So the Suns, blazers, Hornets, and Hawks are my favorite ones. The wolves are somewhere in between boring and good. They're pretty plain. Um, but I think they're going to look good. And black jerseys always look really good on the court on TV. So I'm excited to see those in action, but I'm, I'm going to put them somewhere in that, like, 10 to 15 range of, uh, of if I was to rank all 30, I think that's probably where they'd fall, but I feel, I feel pretty good about them and I'm excited to see them in action. All right. That's all we have for you on today's show. Of course, we'll be back on Monday. Um, and then here in just a couple of weeks, the NBA preview series will be live on lockdown NBA. So stay tuned for that. Any Timberwolves news over the weekend from training camp. We'll talk about on Monday's show. We'll also talk about the schedule, which should be out Perhaps by the time you're listening to this afternoon on Friday, um, certainly over the weekend, we'll, we'll have the full picture of the Wolves' schedule. Um, any national games they may or may not get. Um, they have star power now, so perhaps they'll get some. Um, and just kind of the the overall layout of the schedule, toughest months, all that stuff. We'll break it down from every direction on Monday's show. Otherwise, have a fantastic weekend. Thanks once again for listening to Locked on Wolves. Of course, we're part of the Locked on Podcast Network your local experts on the biggest stories. You can subscribe to our show on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Podcasts, wherever you like to get your shows. Follow us on Twitter at Locked on T-Wolves. That's at Locked on T-Wolves. Don't forget the T. And if you're so inclined, please help us out with a review on Apple. Definitely helps us get in front of more eyes and ears as we lead into the season. Once again, I'm Ben Beacon. This is the Locked on Wolves podcast. We'll catch you next time. Have a great weekend.